What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. Welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 47.0. It's the, uh, the first series of the new year, 2016, which we have dubbed the year of the RPG. I don't know how well this is going to go, but we're going to try it anyway. <laughs> And uh, we're playing through The Witcher 2, Assassin of Kings. Assassins of Kings. Excuse me. Multiple assassins. Multiple assassins. Uh, which we find out, actually, um, during our trek through the beginning here. So we played The Witcher 1 uh, about mid-last year, uh, based solely on the fact that we saw the trailer for The Witcher 3 <laughs> and said, hey, I want to play The Witcher games. Yeah, specifically three, but we got to get there first. Yeah. Um, so we played through The Witcher 1, which was kind of a hardcore mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Interesting game, interesting world. Yeah, it, it, it definitely set up a lot of stuff. And a Not lot of what you would call a smooth gameplay experience. No, no, it's definitely a product of its time. Um, but it set up some stuff, and a lot of that stuff actually comes back in The Witcher 2 more so than what I thought was actually going to happen yeah that was going to be one of my main points is that basically about halfway through our gameplay for this first section I decided that I needed to go back and reread what happened in 1 because it, this isn't the kind of thing where you, you're going to get recapped or you don't need 1 Like this is this is integrated this yeah. is one one big story even just when he started talking about having lost his memory, and I think it's coming back, I'm like, shit, that's right. The whole last game we were talking about that. Yeah. He still hasn't reclaimed all his memory yet. And the thing is, is that even then, this game start is pretty much expecting you to know stuff that we haven't seen in any game yet. Like, they just throw out the name Yennefer. And I'm like, almost, and it's not like... You know how in most games they'll be like, Jennifer, oh yeah, that woman that you knew a couple years ago? No, yeah. they're just like, Jennifer saved me. What? what? Who's Jennifer? Who's you know, he, he just says it like everybody should know this shit. And I'm just like, well, I know who Jennifer is kind of because I've seen a lot of the Witcher 3 shit. You know, him talking about trying to find Jennifer and stuff. Yeah, and I'm like just just through kind of like osmosis and people people talking about it, and just you know just 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 being around the Witcher stuff. I know Yennefer is a character in this game, but if if I'd have played this in 2011 when it came out, I would have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, or the fact that in the first game and even multiple times in the section that we played, they talk about the Wild Hunt. Yeah. And it just makes me think that all of this stuff is so integrated. It is. It's it's not like here's a story in the Witcher universe, and then game two is twenty years later another new thing arises. It, it it's not two separate nodes along this guy's life. It's all, you know, I, I don't know how much longer did they. I know they, I think they said how much longer this takes place after the first one. I think it's been about a month or two months. Yeah, it feels like only a month or two months. It, you know, good old Triss is still by my side, and everything is sort of picking right up where it left off, which is kind of way, the way this game goes. If you remember, the 
sort of the, the first hesitation about playing this game, even before we did it for our podcast, was it's not the kind of game you can start to play for a couple hours, then put it down, then come back a few months later. Yeah. It's a game you sort of have to devote yourself to, dedicate yourself to. Yeah. And in, in starting the second game, that statement seems true for the story and the world as much as it did for the gameplay mechanics. Yeah. So before we even get started here, the, the when you boot up the game, uh, they didn't have this originally in the original release of the game, but they have the, I guess, enhanced edition, which is what I'm playing on the Xbox 360, and I'm pretty sure that's what you're playing on the PC. Yep. Um, they give us a tutorial, and the tutorial sets up basically how you play the game, um, and it also gauges what difficulty you should be playing on. What did you get after the test? Oh, shit. I don't even remember. I distinctly remember it said you should play on easy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to try normal. Um, because the, I, I stopped at that screen and then looked up, hey, what difficulty should I play The Witcher 2 on? And a lot of people were saying... Easy is too easy. Normal is hard until you level up some and become, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, the badass that Geralt is. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I'll do normal. I'll try to trek through as best I can. Just be really cautious. Um, I got to a point during this play session where I was like, you know what? Fuck this game. I'm putting it on easy. And because it was it was too fucking difficult. And it's not because it's too difficult. It's the fact that the combat in this game's not good. No, not terribly. The combat in this game kind of sucks. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. Because, say I got three guys standing in front of me. I can block all fucking day long, but I'll never be able to get a hit in edgewise. Because they're all doing their own animations at different times. And so I block one guy, I go in to hit him. Well, I got two other guys still swinging and they're going to hit me, you know? And on normal, you take a shit ton of damage. Like you you get into like a combo, you're screwed. Yeah, I'd imagine that's true. I I would agree that easy is too easy. It is too easy because you can just stun lock a guy until they're dead. Yeah, even bosses. Yeah. But but there were a couple of times – there was one side quest where I dropped down into like a cave and you get swarmed by guys and even on easy, you're dead in, dead in two seconds. Uh. So at that point I was like, I can't imagine on, on normal because this would be happening to me all the time instead of just one time. Well, it's like people have told me before. I know Ken told me that you have to prepare before a battle. With potions? With potions and using the right oils on your blade um, and using the items like your bombs and your, your throwing daggers and stuff like that. Setting traps and stuff. Yeah, setting traps. The issue I have there is is that you never know when a fight's about to happen. There's no really indication except for like boss fights. Like, okay, we're going into this thing's lair. You yeah. ready? But you even know. a boss fight, I mean, there's... 
I, I found a lot of times where I wanted to wait till the last minute before a boss fight. Yeah. To to do those things, so you have the most time. But I felt like the cutscene took over earlier than I expected it to. Like before I dropped down into an arena, I would be on the ledge above that, and I'd be like, "All right, ten more feet, and I'm gonna sit down and potion up." And all of a sudden, it would just the cutscene would take over, and it would show me jumping down instead of me jumping down and having that be <laughs> starts the boss fight. And I'm like, "God damn it!" This I uh, know this exactly me. Like I, I was like, I was like, okay, I got this. No, here comes the cutscene. I really hope it doesn't put me in that boss fight. It puts me in the boss fight. Yeah. Okay, well now I'm screwed. You know. Yeah, a couple times I was looking at the spot where I was going to stop. Right there, I see a ledge. I see what looks to be an arena. So I'm going to walk up near that ledge, sit down, drink a couple potions, and then hop down and start. Nope, game has other other designs for me. Yeah. But in the same sense, this game is vastly improved over The Witcher 1. Yes. It looks like when I started playing this game, that, that was the thing that kind of blew me away, was that... I was like, damn, this game looks fucking great. Yep. Like when I, when I started up, I'm playing the 360 version on my shitty television. And I was like, this game is fucking great looking, you know? Um, and it, it, I was like, it, it, I got the feeling of me playing Dragon Age Inquisition again. That's kind of how I felt. I was like, oh mm. man, this is like, yeah, this, is, a little bit. this is as big as Dragon Age Inquisition. Cause I was like, you, you're walking in this forest area and it's kind of like the hinterlands and it's, um, it looks great. It's nice because the levels are a bit more dense. They're a bit more linear, but I like sort of the increased density of the levels relative to Dragon Age. Yeah. There's not as many wide open spaces, I don't feel. Yeah. it. it this doesn't feel like an open world um, as much as Dragon Age did. Yeah. But um, so story-wise, it starts off in a prologue with uh, – Geralt being interrogated by a man named Vernon Roach. Um, and we're playing through what he is telling Roach um, about what happened to King Foltest, which who was in the first game, uh, if, if everybody remembers correctly. Uh, at the very end of The Witcher 1, uh, King Foltest is attacked by an assassin and Geralt kills him and stops him. And then it's revealed at the very end that the, the assassin was a witcher and, uh, Geralt doesn't know what the fuck's going on. But the game certainly does not miss a beat because you start right off. There's assassinations and there's witchers. Yes. Even the, the intro, we didn't mention the intro cutscene. Yeah. At this point, I think I've watched that about 10 times. Not necessarily because I love it that much, but because as I'm loading the game up, if I if I'm doing something else, it starts playing, and uh, I, I I do actually really like it. I think. Yeah, it's really cool. Because about halfway through, I'm like, oh yeah, I can't wait till everything freezes and he's gonna dash in there. <laughs> and and the thing is, the first couple times I watched it, I was like, oh okay. And then I started playing the game. Then I watched it again. I'm like, well shit, this is the guy. This is the guy I'm chasing. He's yeah. the guy on the ship. Holy shit. Yeah, he's the Kingslayer. Yeah. So um, we get to a point where uh, it it's two months after the events of the first game. And uh, Geralt, or 
is Geralt. I mean, well, that's at least certain people call him Geralt, and certain people call him Geralt. It's weird how they yeah. pronounce it. Dandelion just calls him Geralt. Um, so, um, but yeah, uh, he is now kind of like a bodyguard for King Foltest. Yeah, essentially. He doesn't necessarily want to be, but at the same time, he's got Triss with him, and Triss is, is a sorceress, and sorceresses are kind of like political, they're not political leaders, but they're part of like a, like the political cabinet of a king. Each, yeah, I was going to say almost like an entourage, but yeah, yeah almost yeah, like a cabinet. Yeah, each king has a sorceress at least, or, or, or each kingdom has a few sorceresses. Um, so he's he's there with Triss. He's like, all right, I'll just stick with you guys for now. But you didn't choose Triss, right, in the I first did, game? I did not. I chose Shawnee. Hmm. Yeah, see, that's – I'm a little – I was happy to see Triss again, but I'm a little upset – no, even seeing her, knowing that I don't think anything transferred over to this game for me. No, I, nothing did. I don't think. Oh, okay. So it's it's not like Dragon Age in that sense, then. No, but from what I understand, stuff does transfer over from this game to three. Ah, uh, okay. But from what another thing that I understand <laughs> is that The Witcher Three, kind of like how Mass Effect did, it gives you like. This is what happened in The Witcher Two. Which one did you choose? They they give you that option before you start playing. Is is it that or import your save, or is it just that? I don't know on that one. You may have to look that up. But well, um, we'll, we'll we'll find out at some point. Yeah, eventually. Which I'm, I'm playing on Xbox One, so I won't transfer jack shit over. <laughs> uh, I played on three different consoles. I played on PC first game, 360 on the second game, and Xbox One on the uh, third game. So uh, yeah, so um, he's the bodyguard for Foltest, um, and Foltest has uh, began kind of a siege on a certain kingdom. Um, because uh, one of the leaders of this kingdom has his bastard children, and uh, Foltus is trying to find them. Um, and this is basically like this was originally the tutorial, I guess. Um, and they just kind of left it in there because obviously you had to have the setup and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it's a, it's a story-wise, it's a good prologue. I think it sets the rest of the game up. Yeah. Um, so all this is being told through Geralt being in prison, being interrogated. And originally I thought that the entire game was going to be the interrogation, him just telling the story. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, uh, he's the bodyguard for Foltest. Uh, they're during this, doing this whole siege thing. Um, you, you get a few choices here and there that, slightly affects stuff so there's uh the leader of of this of this kingdom um is there and he's he you can either choose to fight him or convince him him down talk him down uh i talked him down did you talk him down yeah me too yeah so he shows up a little bit later on um but we eventually make it to where um the children are. Uh, they're being held in a tower. Um, and Geralt has to go on further. He's basically trying to figure out a way to 
enter the tower while everybody else is trying to break down the barricade. Um, along the way, Geralt sees um, Scoyatel, uh boats and a few Scoyatel members outside of the area. Um, he's, he's wondering why they're there. Um, make it to the children. King Foltis is there. He tells Geralt to wait by the uh, the window because he's afraid he might scare the children. The children don't necessarily really even know who he is. Um, yeah. And he's there with them. Uh, and the children are being guarded by a man. It looks like a blind monk. Um, and uh, he tells the children to go wash up. And uh, when the children leave... Uh, the blind monk then turns out to be the assassin who then slits King Foltis's throat and the king dies. Um, Geralt tries to go after, chase after the, uh, the assassin who is also a witcher. Um, uh, he leaps from a, uh, a window and uh, escapes on the Scoyatel boats. And Geralt is standing there with a dead king over him. And, sword drawn. And sword drawn and all the um, the guards show up. And they charge him with the murder of the king. I feel like that setup happens so often in books, games, movies, TV shows. Yeah. And I always find it a little bit ridiculous. A little cliched? A little cliched because everybody who is there knows that the king trusts Geralt. And that he has been trusting him. Geralt saved his life at least once before. Who knows how many times in the last few months. Yet none of that seems to matter. And they just that assumption, oh, I see you here with a dead king. You must have done it. And there's it's like there's no logic from those people and it's like regardless of the medium it's just it's such a common scene and i i, I don't know I, I don't love that scene i really liked it though because i thought it was really cool <laughs> yeah it, it was but come on none of those people there nobody believes him well the little girl his daughter saw it happen well he was in prison so clearly she Needs to speak up more. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to think of who this guy is. This is Geralt. He's a witcher. And if we've learned anything playing through these two games so far is that people fucking hate witchers. For some fucking reason, they hate them. They call them freaks. And even even the prostitutes. Yeah. Like, I don't fuck you. You're, you're, you're fucking mutant. You're fucking weird, you know. Uh, which I have to say, I like that... the one who. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say I like the one prostitute who actually like compliments. She's like, "Well, you're ugly, but you know, some women like ugly guys, yeah. so you might have a shot with some people." Yeah. Women don't like pretty guys. They like <laughs> ugly guys. So uh, we cut back to uh, Geralt, obviously being in prison. He is getting tortured, or beaten, I should say. Uh, and then he is brought into the interrogation room 
to talk to Vernon Roach, who was the Kings. What are they calling the Blue Stripes? Yeah, uh, which is like the Kings Royal Guard, and um, full uh, not full test, but Roach believes Geralt. Um, but he needs to clear his name. Luckily, he's going to help Geralt escape prison. Um, and like I said, this is still part of the tutorial stuff. It's going to show us how to sneak around and stuff like that. And, um, a little bit of combat sequences and stuff. Uh, and we run back into that. I call him a kid, but he, he, he's like a young guy who, who was the guy we talked down at the beginning of the game. And he decides to help us, and he 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 actually blows up the fucking prison with himself in it. Yeah, which didn't seem terribly necessary, but all right. Yeah, I I guess the story has to come full circle. So whether you saved him or not, he's dead. Yeah. So Same uh, with the full test apparently. Yeah. Doesn't matter that we saved him in game one; he's still gonna die. That's true. So um, we uh we escape the prison. Uh, with both Triss uh, and um, Vernon Roach, along with a bunch of uh, Blue Stripes. And we sell off to... And I don't know why we sell off this area. But we I to, thought they said that the Kingslayer was seen there. There were some reports, maybe. Yeah. Well, he, he knew that Scoyatel, he was, he was collaborating with the Scoyatel. And I guess they, they went to search for the Scoyatel in Floatsum. Or there's been a lot of activity of Scoyatel there. Yeah. Um, we didn't get a cutscene of a Scoyatel leader, um, an elven man um, named uh, Yorvith. 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 There's an R in there, yeah. Um. And he runs into the Kingslayer, uh, who we haven't described yet. He is a large, burly human. Some biceps that are out of control. Yeah. He is bald. He's almost hunchback a little bit. Reminds me of like a bald Blanca, how he kind of hunches over. And yeah. He's, he's very, very large, hulking man. And uh, he is there in in the Scoyatel kind of hideout. He's just hanging out there. Um, and he has the head of a king, not King Foltus, but he has the head of another king. I think that was the king from the opening cinematic. I think it was too. Uh, because it was like a couple months prior or something like that. Um, and he and the... Uh, the Scoyatel's like, what the fuck you doing here? And he's like, I have a proposition for you. And I like this guy's voice because it's an American voice. Um, and it sounds almost Southern when he's talking. At yeah, least, I can see that. At least in this scene, it sounds almost Southern. Uh, and he's like, I'm looking for some help. I need your, I need the Scoyatel's help. And he's like, uh, I killed a king. I'm going for another one. And uh, I need your help. And I will help you. And that's all we see of that scene. Um, so we cut to Geralt, Triss, and uh, Roach 
arriving at uh, Flotsam. And uh, it's kind of like a small village uh, ran by... It's not even a king. It's ran by a commandant who who is kind of like a self-proclaimed commandant. This guy is not even military. Well, I I think they make the point that since it's kind of a backwoods shitty place, it's the kind of place that a mid-level washout would sort of get the chance to be in charge of. Yeah. So, um... But yeah, um, when we arrive, the first thing that happens is there's they're handing a public execution uh, where they're killing uh, four people. Uh, one was a Scoia'tael, the other one was a thief, and there's two people that we actually recognize uh, that we have to stop the execution. Uh, those two people being uh, Zoltan, who was the dwarf who helped us out in the first game. And um, our good friend, the Bard, Dandelion. Uh, And they're both um, getting ready to hang for certain reasons. Zoltan uh, has been charged with, um, I guess, conspiring with the Scoia'tael. Yep. And um, Dandelion is uh, being charged with being promiscuous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also burning down a church. On accident, he he said he didn't mean to. Yeah, that's right. Um, luckily the uh, the Witcher is able to uh, talk everybody down, but at the same time he's met uh, by the the leader of the I guess the guards of this town. Um, God, I can't think of his name now. It starts with an L. Uh, Lovith? Laredo. 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 Yeah, Laredo. Um, there's so many fucking L's in this game. <laughs> because the, uh, the, the, like, the Kingslayer, his name is, uh, Loden, Loben? Letho? Letho? I thought it was Letho. Is it Letho? Who the fuck? I don't know, whatever. Um, L- you know, Lob- Lobenden's a place, right? Maybe. Lobenden? I don't know. Letho, yeah. Okay, so it's Letho. I'm looking at the wiki now. Um, so, yeah. Um, so we run into him, and uh, he has a proposition for us. Um, and um, he wants us to meet him at his place at, at night. Uh, we go and um, talk to uh, Dandelion and um, Zoltan at the bar. Uh, figure what the hell's going on. What are you guys doing here? All this stuff, catch up and stuff like that. Uh, and everybody's pretty much moved on from Vizima because, well, shit kind of hit the fan there. <laughs> um, back, you know, when the entire place burned down between the, the Order of the Rose and the Scoia'tael. Um, but yeah, d- during this time, we hear some commotion outside. And a uh, a man is being attacked on the docks by a giant sea monster. Um, and then we run into a sorceress, uh, a woman sorceress, um, 
who um she's wearing one of those headdresses that reminded me of uh, the headdress from Dragon Age Inquisition the the that the uh that one uh mage was using I can't remember her name now um but she has one of those like this like weird pointy hat things that has two different directions yeah um it's a, it's a Y shaped <laughs> yeah it's a Y shape uh but yeah we run into her and I, for the life of me, I can't remember what her fucking name is, even though I just played this game today. It was short. It was something like Ilsa or... Shh, I thought it started with an S. Sile, S-I-L-E, maybe? Yeah. Um, but she's there to fight that thing in the water. It runs off. And she says, well, maybe a witcher who is a monster hunter can combine forces with a sorceress. And we can stop this thing. So it begins kind of like a side quest, but it's a big side quest where we have to figure out what this creature is on top of that. We realize it is poisonous, so we have to make a potion to make sure we don't get poison while we fight it. Um, it's a long string of stuff. Uh, and I think- Yeah, you could say side quest. I, I would have considered that the main quest for this part. Eh, maybe. I mean, I like. I'm curious if we just went straight to, um, you know, the the stuff that basically ends ends the uh, the chapter. I don't know. Yeah. Like, if we could just skip that completely. Um. So going through See, that, I was actually going to say that's one of the things I really liked about this section of the game. I felt like the K Ran was the clear main mission. And picking up things off of, say, the board outside of, uh, outside of the inn, I thought solved one of my problems for dra- from Dragon Age, in that at any point that I'm wandering around doing shit in this part of the game, I know which is the main quest and I know which one is the side quest. So if I'm doing side quest stuff, at least I don't feel like I'm wasting my time because I know that that's not the main quest. Right. So I I actually really like the way it was set up, like, and I, and I like how they give you the descriptions and the menus, of like they keep filling in parts of the story. It's all being told by Dandelion. Yeah. So you get like, all right, for this mission, here's here's the intro and here's how what, what's going to happen. So at a very quick glance, I can know. All right, I can go do this, and I know it's not going to be the main mission, but that's okay because because I know it. If I if I thought that it was just I don't know how to describe it. I feel like in Dragon Age there was a lot of like side mission bits and it was very easy not to do a chain. I felt like the the series of quests here were very well defined. Yeah. Like they're all like you get the idea of the whole quest line at the beginning and they were more like more you distinct. The one about the all right, we're going to go investigate these haunted ruins. Yeah. Like that's a whole quest line that I really like or Molina was another one I did. And that was a very, you know, I, I could very th- clearly tell if what I'm doing is associated with the Molina sub quest or if it's the haunted, ha- haunted asylum or the, the haunted hospital side quest. Like, it was very easy for me to tell which side quest I was working on, which was sort of a welcome difference to me from Dragon Age where everything every and I love Dragon Age but everything was all sort of jumbled together for me all the whole time. 
yeah, the pacing in Dragon Age Inquisition was kind of bad. Uh, but yeah, the, the one interesting thing that I will bring up about that side quest that you were talking about, about the haunted, it, what used to be, I think, an insane asylum, um, was the, um, the information you get about the wild hunt. Uh, you get some information there because you run into a lot of ghosts and stuff like that there. And they're the ones mentioning the wild hunt. So the wild hunt is basically exists on this other plane of existence, this spectral plane. And a lot of people don't even believe it exists. It's, it's, it's a lot like the afterlife, I guess. Yeah, except we've seen throughout Witcher 1 and, and Witcher 2 so far quite a bit of evidence of specters and ghosts. And But for the most part, nobody else has seen that except for Geralt. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we run into what, like, we fight the king of the wild hunt at the end of the first game, don't we? But he, he can't die or whatever. He's just going to keep coming. That's yeah. just what he tells Geralt. Um, so yeah, there's a few things that we run into. Um, a couple of them being, um, there's an elf that, that lives in the woods, uh, kind of like in the outskirts who used to be a Scoia'tael, but then he gave that up and became part of the, 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 the people of Flotsam. Um, named Cedric. And we talked to him because he helps us out, uh, with, uh, trying to find the ingredients for the potion for the Kairon. Um, but she comes into play a little bit later. Um, and, uh, so after do, doing all the stuff that we have to do to get ready for the K run, we eventually go back to the sorceress. Um, God, I wish I knew her name. Um, it starts with an S. And so we're going to team up with her to fight it. And that's when we get our first kind of big boss fight, um, which is unlike any fight we've seen in a Witcher game so far. Um, it feels like a proper boss fight, like a big boss fight. Yeah. Cause this thing's huge. Dedicated arena and everything. Yeah. It's gigantic. You know, there's different, there's only, you know, there's a set way to beat it. Um, you have to trap its tentacles in a, in a trap of some sort. You can use your magic trap, I guess. I use my magic trap. Yeah, me too. And, uh, then you cut off its tentacles and you ride it up, ride one of the tentacles and have to hold on and, um, Run up to top of a, a collapsed pillar and then throw a bomb into its head <laughs> uh, and kill it. And then we go back to town and everybody's like, yay, thanks, Switcher, for killing that big thing because it was blocking our trade routes. Um, and after that, we move on to what I considered the actual main part of the, of the uh, story, which was going to meet up with the... Uh, the guy who led the guards. And he, along with the Scoia'tael, are having a big fight going on right now. Uh, we know that the Scoia'tael, Scoia'tael is there. We know that um, Yorvith, the leader of the Scoia'tael, is collaborating with the Kingslayer. So we're like, okay, we can just kill two birds with one stone here. 
There's an issue though. Um, uh, we can't exactly trust what the God, what, what was his name again? Start with the L. Laredo. Laredo. We can't necessarily trust what he says because he could just be a douchebag who's also a racist. But at the same time... Because he is that. He's both of those things. He, he is most certainly those things as well. Um, But at the same time, do we trust Escoyatel? Because these guys are a bunch of like vicious murderers too. Terrorists. Terrorists. Uh, and they're working with the Kingslayer. So, um, but we run into one of the Scoyatel guys, one of, one of, uh, Jorvis guys who, uh, barely escaped an attack. Um, he's gravely wounded though. And he tells us, uh, that, um, the Kingslayer, whose name is Letho. Is this um, the one that was on the, the barge? Yeah, the one that was on the barge, the prisoner's barge. Yeah. He tells us that Letho is a betrayer and he is actually planning to kill Yorvith. Uh, and I was the only one to survive. He killed the rest of our group and I'm trying to warn Yorvith. So then we decide, well, let's go talk to Yorvith. Let him know about this. So we talked to Zoltan because Zoltan knows how to get in contact with him because, hey, come to find out he really was. He wasn't (laughs) really working with the Scoyatel. They asked him to help. To lead like a unit. Yeah. They wanted him to lead a unit. And he kept saying, well, I didn't fucking agree to it. (laughs) I just said maybe. (laughs) Um, So he takes us to Yorvith. And uh, Yorvith is there. And we tell him what's going down. He doesn't necessarily trust us, so we decide to kind of build a ruse to see exactly what's going on. So Yorvith pretends to be in the custody of Geralt. We escort him up to where um, uh, fucking Letho is. And we say, hey, we got, we got this guy you want dead here just to see if it, it's going to work. We'll kind of find out it does work because Letho is like, okay, cool. Uh, we'll kill him. Uh, at the same time, he's also talking to Geralt as if he knows him, which he does know him. He says, you, you should remember me. Um, you saved my life one time. And he says, and, but then he also mentions that there's other Kingslayers like us. And the only thing I can gather from that is that witchers are Kingslayers. I could be wrong, but I mean, that's what it sounded like to me. He said there's other witchers like us who are also Kingslayers and they're doing stuff in other cities right now. And so we have a big fight. We have we have a little bit of a choice. It doesn't necessarily affect anything, but we can either give um, Yorvith his sword back and help him fight off some guys. So what happens is the the town guardsmen show up and start fighting along with Roach. So Roach is with the town's guardsmen, town guardsmen. And we don't really know what's up with that until we go talk to him. Uh, he had us follow because he didn't know what the fuck we were doing with the Scoyatel. He saw he saw us running around with the Scoyatel saying, what the fuck? <laughs> so he had us followed. And then he had a bunch of guardsmen with him. Um, and the guardsmen are out for blood for the Scoyatel. So they 
jumped at the opportunity to start attacking. And all sorts of hell broke loose in town because, well, you know, people, people, a lot of our guards got killed. So let's go kill a bunch of uh, non-humans. And it was decently well set up that the town was on edge. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was, it was definitely, I think they even said it, it was like a powder keg ready to explode. Yeah. And all they needed was like one thing of, oh, Scoyotel killed a bunch of our guards. Fuck it. Let's kill a bunch of people. Yeah. All the yeah. non-humans. All the non-humans. Let's just, let's just beat the shit out of a bunch of dwarves and elves. Um, so we make it back to town because, um, or we rush to town because, um, while we beat Letho, I mean, I beat the living shit out of him because I had, I, I dropped it on easy by this point. So I was sitting there just stun locking him. I already had his health all the way down, but it wouldn't end. Because he hadn't finished the fucking dialogue yet. So I'm just sitting there slashing the shit out of him with no health. He has no health. And he's still talking. I'm like, Jesus, what the fuck? Is it a game glitch or I got to wait on this dialogue to finish? I had to wait on the dialogue to finish. Yeah, I got him down to about a quarter. And then it you know, took over. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> he runs off and says that he's going to find Triss and get him to take him somewhere. Or he, he tells us where he's going. Um, he's going to um, Airden. Is that how you pronounce it? A- yeah, that's what I would say. Airden. Because um, that's where some of the other king slayers are. Going to meet back up with them. And so he's going to have he's going to force Triss to teleport him there. So we rush back to town to try and find Triss. Run into Danny Lion. And then we do this whole sleuthing thing where uh, we we go to where because the only place where he could possibly teleport was using the other sorceresses. Um, it's like it, the, Trish had one in the first game where you can fast travel in between stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a bunch of mirrors where you you can usually use it as like, almost like a telephone where you can talk to people, um, but uh, you can also use it to teleport. And so um, we see that Triss uh, actually asked uh, Cedric, the, the elf who was ex Goyatel, to help her. Um, so we have to track him down because we don't know where she is. There's a lot of blood everywhere. She's not there. Neither is um, pretty much anybody. Like I, I don't know where the other sorceress went, um, but Triss isn't I- there. Maybe she's still down at the at the K Ren harvesting organs and stuff. Because that's there. where we left her, right? That's where we left her. Yeah, she was harvesting organs for a certain reason. They're best when they're fresh. Yeah. Well, she was she was harvesting them because it, uh, you get a you get a small little cutscene showing a vision of basically what Trish was doing. Um, when when she was talking to somebody over the over the mirror thing. And asking her what what the other sorcerers was doing in Flotsam. Uh, But yeah, so we have to track down Cedric. And uh, Cedric has been badly wounded. Uh, So we have to follow a blood trail. I have to say, this is a fucking annoying part right here. 
because I could not find the blood trail to save my life. It kept mm-hmm. it kept going somewhere else, and then it would lead to a pile of dead bodies where Geralt says, well, this is not him. I'm like, great, so now i got to backtrack and try and find the, the next blood trail. Took for fucking ever. And eventually we found him, and he's laying there pretty much almost dead. And, um, and then the animals come to say bye to him. Uh, but he tells us that, uh, um, it, that, the Lethro forced Triss to teleport her and him. Um, and, um, we have to go find her then, but there's a matter that we have to address. There's still some strife going on and, uh, we have to make a choice. We can either side with Vernon Roach or we can side with Yorvith. Uh, Yorvith wants blood. He wants to take out the Kingslayer, obviously, for betraying him, but he also wants to, to beat the shit out of the guards of Flotsam. Oh, and any humans that get in the way, we'll just cut them down too. Roach wants to take him out because, well, he's a douchebag. Plus, this Flotsam sits at a very strategic point for this war that's going on. And um, if he takes over this place, he would be able to use it for the kingdom's advantage. Uh, And he wants the Witcher to help him. Um, who did you choose? I didn't actually quite get this far. Okay. But I know for a fact I'll be choosing Yorvith. Okay. Well, I chose Roach. Ah, interesting. Um, and there's a reason why. I don't like the Scoia'tael. I, I never really have. See, in game one, I did. I really felt for their plight. So far in game two, I'm fairly anti-Scoyatel. I mean, these guys are douchebags. Yeah. Roach. Roach is very crass. He's not the the most sensitive person in the world. But he's still on the side of good for the most part. I would say he's, he's on the on, side of the empire. He's mean. on he's he's on the side of the kingdom, and he he wants what's best for the kingdom. Um, and he, he doesn't care if that steps all over your political bullshit. Um, or, or your basic rights as a sentient being. Whatever. <laughs> I just like the Scoia'tael. Like I get what they want. But they're going about it in all the wrong fucking ways. They did it in the first game, which is why I sided with the the Order of the Rose. Or yeah, see, I sided with the Scoia'tael in the first game, but and I'm going to go with Yorvith. But I'm going I'm going to go with Yorvith to try and temper him to bring him back to reason. Yeah, that that that's why I'm going to go with him. My other reason for choosing Roach is because other than Triss. Roach is the only other guy that believes that the Witcher didn't kill the king. Yeah. 
Yorvis could not give two shits about that. And I'm like, well, I want somebody at least on my side who knows what my goal is and is trying to work toward that goal. So I went with Roach. Mm. Um, so we'll have some interesting differences next week. From what I understand, we're going to have some insanely different. Uh, just looking real quick at the at, at one of the walkthroughs, it looks like the rest of our game might be different. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking at it. And I'm seeing we go to different towns. Well, th- that's going to be kind of cool. I'm, I'm actually really interested to see how different they are because, again, a lot of times your decisions don't matter. This one clearly does. Yeah. Clearly has a humongous effect on the way this game plays out. And I'm, and curi- I- I'm curious to see if it ever comes back to the same road. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah, and and we had mentioned sort of knowing going into this that there was going to be two different paths to take. And I am glad that we decided to not force ourselves to either be the same or different and just to go with whichever one we would go with. Yeah. And, we, you know, we ended up taking different paths, and I think that's going to make next week more interesting. It'll make more interesting, but it may be difficult to talk about. Yeah, that's true. But I'm gonna tr- we're gonna try our best to. So I'm gonna I, you know what I'll leave it at that because I don't want to spoil anything. We we do. I don't know what you do. I mean, obviously, I think it's gonna be the same thing I do, which we're gonna go after the the leader of the guards. That's what I did. It's just I had Roach with me, and it was more like a military strategic thing, where I have a feeling your this is just gonna go in there and just murder a bunch of guys. No, I won't let him. Okay. <laughs> but um. But yeah, after that, I I know where we go from here because I just stopped at it. Um, I I can t- I'll tell you this where, where I stopped at it wasn't Adrian. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. I, I like it, where, where it showed me on the map. I was like, okay, this is an Adrian, so I guess something's going to happen here, and that's where I stopped. Hmm. So, but yeah. What do you think of the game so far? Um, to be honest, it's about what I expected. And what did you expect? I expected a game like the first one. Looks better. Plays better. Doesn't feel terribly different. Yeah. I mean, the, the combat feel is a bit different. But it's hard for me to judge that playing it on easy. Uh, and one of the things I want to mention is that I would have played this on normal, except that my PC was not upgraded in time, so I'm playing it on about an eight-year-old PC, mm-hmm. and it's struggling. Uh, this game recommended to me high settings. But this game does not run well for me on high settings. I don't know why it keeps recommending it to me. I think huh. it's in my computer's in denial about its own power. <laughs> uh, but I am playing this on low settings, and even then, my graphics card's having some issues. Uh, occasionally, my computer will just completely shut off. But more frequently, 
my screen will just go white, completely white. And then 30 seconds later, I'll get a message that says your graphics card had a serious problem and has reset itself. Hmm. And the game will still be running, but I'll have had to sit there for about a minute by the end of it. So between those things and my computer's chugging a bit, running it, I don't think I would have been able to deal with the excessive replaying due to computer issues coupled with the excessive replaying due to extra deaths. Yeah. So uh, I ha- basically I have to play this on easy or I'm not going to be able to get through it. Yeah, I was the same way because I did that, that side mission with Melina. That's the one I meant, by the way, when, when you dropped down into that cave. Yeah. Holy crap that I get swarmed right there, even on easy. That was the only time I really died. In the, I think I died once at the at the K-Ran, but I died a couple times in that cave just because of how swarmed you get. So I didn't I, – I, yeah, I got swarmed by those fuckers, those, those knickers. What are they called? Neckers. Neckers. Um, and um, – but I, like I, I was able – like I was still on normal then. But the the thing that got me was, did you turn her in? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, I did not. Just a line, line B or a blind C, one of the two. I um, I did not because I'm playing like originally when I when I thought this game, you know, I used The Witcher, and you know, there's a meta game to it where you try and sleep with as many women as you possibly can. I was thinking, hey, if I let her go, maybe she'll let me have sex with her. Um, that's not the case. She actually does work for the Scoyotel. She calls in a bunch of Scoyotel buddies whenever I go meet her in the woods. And that's where I died like 20 times. Because <laughs> those guys like bum rushed me and just kept like stun locking me until I died. And I was like, you know what? I'm putting it on easy. And when I put it on easy, I immediately, I I found the win button. Because those guys had, did not stand a chance on easy. Yeah. I don't understand why there is such a polarizing difference between normal and easy. There is no happy medium there. That's a bit unfortunate. Yeah. Um, And I've played on easy ever since because I was like, you know what? I just want to make it through this game. Let's be honest here. I'm playing this game so I can play The Witcher 3. Yeah, it's true. I want to see the story. I'm, I'm interested in the story. I like the lore. You know, the lore's kind of cool. It's no Dragon Age, but it's really cool. Um, But yeah, no, I don't have time for that bullshit. <laughs> Especially now that I'm like going on dates and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got a whole new life here. I got a, I got a whole new life. So it's, it's start, it's start, I, I'm starting back over. It's going to be like you know, two years ago <laughs> when I was dating my ex-girlfriend. So, um, but yeah, um, it's uh, so far it's okay. Um, I was thinking the combat was going to be greatly improved, and I don't think it is. I, yeah. I don't like it at all, to be honest with you. I did. It's it's slightly it's too boring on easy, and it's not fun on normal. Yeah. See, I'm just having the. I don't really have anything to say about the combat because it's just click a bunch of times and they're dead. Yeah. It, you know. It, it, there's really no strategy to it at all on easy. Uh, my thoughts exactly. So, 
I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm down on this game because I am interested in where it's going to go, especially now that I know that we're both going to do different paths. I think that's going to open up a lot of possibilities for like just interesting stuff to talk yeah. about. Um, we do have an email, which I do want to read off. Um, it comes from Mookie. Uh, he wanted to clarify a few things after we read off his email on, uh, on Metal Gear Solid. Mm. Um, let's see here. It says, uh, hey guys, Mookie here. Just wanted to make a quick response from the last episode, just to be clear from my side. Indeed, I played the game more than 250 hours, but to be clear, it does not mean that I'm having fun. Just like I, what Drew said, I only play more just to hope that maybe there's something more to the game. Matt also mentioned the rep- repetitiveness of the game. Yes, that too is one of the reasons why I can't stand the game because for some reason I already know the patterns on what to do and how to execute every repetitive side mission. To add yeah. the to add the reason of spending that much time was actually forced to put the game on while waiting for in game time. That that was a bullshit like thing that they added in there. And honestly they added it in there so you could fucking pay to get stuff done faster. It was a But you can only do that on the FOBs, right? You can't pay to get your actual mother base done any any more quickly. Okay. I didn't I don't know. I did, I never explored it cuz I never went online. So I never dealt with the FOB stuff. I just dealt with leaving my fucking game on <laughs> and walking away or playing something else for a while. It says I would also Want to let you guys know that I am very slow burner on certain games like open world, 4K, and RPGs. Um, hence to excessive hours I spend on them. And if no one ever believes me, then I'm sorry. <laughs> I could personally say that even though I'm, I actually spent 250 hour fun hours in the game, I'll promise you that I can go back to it because I personally found myself enjoying it just like Skyrim. Fallout, Deus Ex, Human Revolution, etc. And uh, and there are other games that you that you find yourself investing even more than I did, like in MMOs, Minecraft, Gary's Mod, MOBA games, etc. Uh, but at the, at the same time, I highly respect everyone's opinion from the crew of N4G Radio and this show. And I just I'm just here to clear things out from my end. I still don't like MGS5, regardless of the lost hours. I had with the game and I should have been wiser and realized this before I wasted the time. I could have easily went to The Witcher 3 instead of be- instead because it was later uh, it was released earlier and gifted to me. More power to you guys and thank you for taking your time mm-hmm. to read this. Um I have absolutely no issues with what you said. Yeah, um, and I and I can't fault anybody for not liking the game. Exactly. Ken was the one who is sparking some of the stuff. At the same time, you have to know that Ken was inebriated <laughs> when I wrote off, read off your email. Um, but yeah, no, I trust me. I've put a lot of hours into games I didn't like. Alone in the Dark, hello. Um, I platinum that game. You were the one championing that game. I was. I was championing the shit out of that game. And then, man, fuck oh. that game. Oh, I hate that game so bad. It's tough, too, because that's the kind of game that I like to support. One that... If it's going to be faulty, I like a game to be ambitious and fail. Same thing with any, you know, any movie or anything. I, I appreciate the striving to do new things and to do cool things, even if you fail at it. 
but in a video game, we actually have to suffer more through those mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, I have to give it to Alone in the Dark for its time. It was ambitious. I will say that, but it failed on every account. Yeah. It failed on every fucking account. (laughs) I hate that game. I hate it so bad. (laughs) The only thing I like, like I said, the only redeeming factor is the fucking music in the game. The soundtrack is really good. I don't know. There's a little bit of the B-movie acting that that I can't help but adore. Oh, yeah. I got your stones. Yeah, fuck you and your stones. Uh, <laughs> I swear to God, like like once every like two months, I go back and listen to us just whine about that game. I fucking love those episodes. It's only two episodes, but some of the best fucking episodes we ever put out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um. If you'd like to send us an email, it's uh, drew at ztgd.com. You can talk to us about The Witcher 2 uh, or any other game, or you want to suggest some RPGs to us because we are open to suggestion. Um, We will be doing Persona 4 after this, uh, which is a very long game. Um, And after hearing Jay talk about the Cold Steel, the Trails in the Sky Cold Steel, I really want to play that game now. Um, yep. I, I was actually just holding it at GameStop the other day. Yeah. How, how much is is it a full price game or no? That one was. It was some kind of special edition. Big, big box silver box special edition. It's a PS3 game, right? It's not PS4. Yeah, that was PS3. Okay. Well, luckily I still got my PS3 hooked up and still play it a lot, actually. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I still play my PS3 a shit ton. Um. So yeah, I, that that'll probably be another game that we do. I don't know if we'll do it right after Persona Four or something like that. We'll probably need to take a break or something. Um, but yeah, um, you can send us an email. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. I know uh, Mookie also suggested a game to us. He's been suggesting it for a while, um, but uh, he reiterated it uh, this week. Uh, when a sequel was announced to the game, uh, the game he wants us to try out is a game called To the Moon, um, which, from what I understand, is a very emotional game. I'm not certain on it. I own the game. I've just never played it. Uh, from what I understand, it's only about a four-hour game. That'd be a good one-off episode. Yeah. Uh, we can most certainly do that. In fact, we could probably do it in between some of these long-ass RPGs. Um. But yeah, that's pretty much it for us. Um, I appreciate everybody listening. Um, I know it's kind of a short one, but not much to cover. I, I, we did forget to talk about the sex scene that we did get, <laughs> which was ridiculous. I don't know. I haven't seen a game do intimate relationship correctly. No. They all look weird. And Uncanny Valley E. But Triss magically removes her clothes and then jumps into an elven bath. And then Geralt jumps in and... And then some people up above start listening to her moan. Yeah. Because there's a legend that... If, what is it? If you can hear the rocks moaning, then you're actually in love? Yeah. Oh, no. Only Only the people who are in love can hear it. Yeah, and then they and then that one dwarf heard it, 
Um, so which, weird. which was after we murdered a bunch of guys who were just above us. <laughs> like their dead bodies are right above us and we're down here having hardcore sex. There was also the troll. I don't know if you did any other side quests. I, I, the, the, the bounty board stuff. Yeah. I don't know if this one's, I think it did come off the bounty board. I, I didn't even look at the bounty board. Uh, well, one of them was basically there's a, a troll who's supposed to be guarding this bridge, because that's what trolls do. Uh, but this one is getting drunk all the time instead of maintaining the bridge that he's supposed to be maintaining. Uh. So you could basically either go out there and kill the troll or some of the elves in, that are just outside of the of the castle grounds, basically in that little shanty village. Yeah. They basically say, no, don't kill the troll. You know, we need him to maintain the bridge. Go convince him to start doing his job. And you go out there and you, you, you start to beat on him a little bit. And he's like, well, I have to get drunk because some people killed my, my wife. Mm. And uh, then there's something that, – that's about where I stopped. It, it continues. And I, and I went and asked some people what they knew about the troll – and they said something like, yeah, somebody is using the troll head as a trophy. And my impression was that I had to go search house to house until I found which house had a troll head on the wall. Mm-hmm. And I decided I didn't want to do that. So that's where I <laughs> ended that quest. Line. But the troll was you know, a little bit sad for the troll. You know, his, his girlfriend got killed. Yeah. So he turned into a drunk troll. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't touch any of the bounty board stuff. I'll probably do it a little bit here uh, in the next chapter. Mm. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, I saw it there and I was like, ah, I've already got like five quests I got to do here. So we'll just stick to this. How long did it take you to get through the prologue in chapter one? You know, I, I wish it showed me my in-game time. It doesn't show. Um, maybe four hours. I'm 12. 12 hours in. Christ, Matt. <laughs> I I could be wrong. But I I don't it hasn't been over 6, I know that. It can't be over 6. Unless I'm just sitting here not even paying attention. Cuz I've did I did four play sessions and I think each one was about an hour, maybe a little bit longer. So, I don't know. I it is what it is. You're 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 a slow burner yourself. So, but yeah, that's it for us. Gonna get out of here. Uh, I hope you guys have a great week. We will be back next week to talk more about The Witcher Two and see exactly what changes for us. Um, I I I have been told by multiple people that it's drastically different. So uh, we shall see. But until then, I'm Drew. And I'm Matt. And we are out of here. I hope you guys have a great week. And we will be back next week with the continuation of The Witcher 2, Assassins of Kings. (laughs) 